Thank you. That was great. Uh, thank you, team, for that worship. Just uh, again, kids' ministry will be starting up next Sunday. The wonderful kids' team are ready to go, and they've got a great program set uh, for summer and then obviously moving to the, the rest of the year. I want to start. We're going to obviously, we're continuing our series in Proverbs, Practical Wisdom, looking at the book of Proverbs. And we see in the book of Proverbs uh, that actually the goal, the author who is Solomon, and maybe some insights from some others, is actually to give Christians aspects of wisdom, practical aspects that they can use to be wiser in their day to day lives. And last week we looked at the words that we speak. And so this morning we're continuing that series, but we're going to start by having a look at a little video clip. Let me set this video clip up. Uh, this is a movie uh, from uh, Bag of Ants. I don't know if you've seen the movie Bag of Ants, but, but let me set what's happening in this clip. A um, little bit of background. The legend of Bag of Ants, and it's a final hole. He's a golfer. Uh, there's three individuals in this big tournament, and they're right, they're, they're dead, same scores, and it's the final hole, three golfing rivals, neck and neck, and it's tied up, and this is the bit in the scene where we get this, hopefully we'll be able to see it. Here it is up on the screen. Okay, there you go. So, uh, Mr. Juna was obviously Matt Damon. Here's a question I want to ask you, uh, just quickly, 30 seconds with the people around you. What do you think about this decision? Is he, is he crazy? Okay, so he took an extra stroke. 
football move this far. Is he crazy? Is he stupid? Would you do that? And what does it tell you about Gina, Mr. Gina? Have a quick discussion. Go. 20, 30 seconds. What do you think about his decision? Is he crazy? Is he silly? Would you do that? What do you guys reckon? Who thinks it's a good decision? Let's get a show of hands and see who the honest people are. Ooh, lots of honest. Who reckons it was a silly decision? No one's willing to say it. Okay. But in your heart, you might believe it. Hands up if you do the same. Oh, okay, we've got some honest people here. Good, good. Okay, uh, what does it tell us? Here, give me some feedback. What does it tell us about Juna, Mr. Juna? Who? Man of integrity. Yes, good. Anyone else? Honest. Not silly, not crazy. Strong. What? A, yeah, you'd trust a man like that, yeah. Because it was interesting, though, wasn't it? Because he was also, he saw it, but what was the, the, who was the other person who saw it? The little child. And, and what the message would be sending to that little child. Um, the little child's like, don't worry, no one saw it, you know. But he was sending a strong message to him. I, I don't think I would have, I probably wouldn't have counted it. Um, and, and I think we might think we would, but in that situation, would we? Even the other two opponents, what were they saying? Like, no one didn't, but no, he stood on, he, on his integrity and what he believed. It's about the character. And um, when, I, when I saw that, that little video clip, it's interesting when it comes to character that your character is actually telling a story. That the character of Mr. Junior there, in the way he responded, in the way he acts, tells a story to the individuals, the opponents, to that little boy, to everyone that was there. It's telling a story about who he is. And each of our lives is telling a story. Some of our stories are great. Some of our stories are not great. Some are average, some are okay. Uh, but our character tells us stories. Some of our stories reflect Jesus in the way we respond, in the way we act. Some of our story does not reflect Jesus in the way we respond, in the way we act. But the bottom line is our character will affect the telling of our story, no matter what. Our character affects the telling of our story, whether that be good or whether that be bad. Here is the question, what kind of story is your character communicating? What kind of story is your character communicating and what is your character revealing about who you are? So we see the character of Mr. Juno there reveals something about who he is. If he acted differently, if he, if he acted where he wouldn't tell the truth, that would reveal about his character. But what kind of uh, story is your character telling or revealing? When asked... Uh, uh, Augustine was asked, what is the most important aspect or the most important virtue of Christianity? 
Virtue is kind of what develops character. Virtue leads to the, the outfilling or outworking of character. Augustine said the three most important things or three most important virtues of Christianity uh, is, is, is humility, humility, and humility. Interesting, he said the most important virtue of a, of a Christian is humility, and he said it three times. Humility, humility, humility. And actually, when we look through the Bible, the Bible does actually have a lot to say about humility, a lot to say about being humble. Look at these passages here up on the screen. Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, this beautiful language here, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. If you didn't think you had any worth or value, have a look at this. You are chosen, you are God's chosen people, you are holy and you're dearly loved. And then it says, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness. And there it is, humility, gentleness and patience. Clove yourself means to put on. You put on clothes, don't you? You put on a jacket, you put on a t-shirt, you put on a, a, a raincoat. And, and, and so the Apostle Paul says, put on, wear humility. He gives you some other traits there. But wear humility like you put on a jacket. Uh, Zephaniah 2.3 says, seek righteousness, but also seek humility. Titus commands us to show true humility and to uh, show true humility. Titus there, the next passage, and uh, to all people. Peter also states in 1 Peter 5, same, Peter says, or echoes the words of Paul, he says, to clothe ourselves with humility, to put on humility, to wear humility. And when we look through the scriptures and through the Bible, we see constant teaching, constant instruction of humility and the opposite of humility. What's the opposite of humility? Pride. And so we see this contrast, humility and pride. And time and time again, what the Bible does is, if you act humbly or if you are humility, this will be the, the outcome. If you are full of pride and are proud, this will be the outcome. There's this contrasting and this pride leads to this, humility leads to this. Jesus, look at Jesus' famous words here, whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted that's kind of the upside down of our world isn't it that we want to exalt ourselves we want to take selfies of ourselves we want to tell everyone how great we are but Jesus says no 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 it's the opposite of that James 4 6 God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble and there's this opposite of humility which is which is pride C.S. Lewis, uh, in, in a book, uh, Mere Christianity, you may have read it, he refers to pride as being the great sin. Look what he says here about pride. Uh, we kind of we think of all these other horrible sins, but the root issue is pride. And look what he says here. He says, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison it was through pride that the devil became the devil. Interesting. Pride leads to every other vice. It is a complete anti-God state of mind. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Pride is the core issue, the core root, the, the great sin. Uh, John Stott, the, the great Anglican minister, I love John Stott, he, he writes this, he says, at every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is our greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. Humility and pride. Pride 
and humility. And so when we come to the book of Proverbs, just like last week, when we look through the book of Proverbs, so much talks about the way we speak. It's hard to ignore humility. When you look through the book of uh, Proverbs, the author puts a big focus on humility and pride. A big focus on what happens if we show humility and what happens, these, these two great themes. If you're prideful, if you act in pride, this is what happens. What are the benefits to humility? What are the, the, the negatives to, to pride? Look at Proverbs, full of it here. Uh, the curses of pride and, and the, the benefits of humility. Proverbs 11.2 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. 13.10, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. 15.33, fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honour. Proverb 18.12 says, Before uh, his downfall a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honour. 29.23, pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honour. One of my favourite ones, uh, Proverbs 16.18, again talking about the curse of pride. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit or a proud spirit before a fall. Look how the message puts it. The message just cuts to the chase. First pride, then the crash, the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. And maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've experienced that. I was reading a story, I think this was in the, in the 80s, uh, two uh, um, cargo ships collided in the Black Sea. Russian cargo ships collided in the Black Sea and hundreds of people actually died. Uh, one from the actual collision, but also jumping off into the icy cold waters. And they did an investigation. What was the cause of this accident? Was it, was it the fog? Was it a mechanical issue? Instrumental? Was it human error? It was, it was human error. But actually, the human error was the, the um, um, pride goes before destruction. Both of these captains, the ships must have been a similar size. And obviously, there's rules who has to give way. But none of them wanted to give way. It was discovered that both captains knew that they were on a head-on collision, but none of them wanted to yield to the other captain. Maybe there was, you know, they knew each other or something. But it led to destruction. This pride leads to destruction. Can anyone tell me the name of this, this ship, this one here? Yes. Great Italian boat with a great Italian captain. The uh, Costa Concordia collided with a large rock, okay, right next to this, this little island, 58-meter gash in the side of this, into the side of this boat. Now, the uh, 32 people died. The captain, uh, Francesco, uh, he fled, at, he, he, he got off the boat now, before um, uh, most of the passengers. His excuse was he fell in, he, as the boat shit turned, he fell into a lifeboat. Uh, uh, imagine that he fell into a lifeboat and, oh I just fell into a lifeboat here he is here years after it he went to jail and, and basically he says I was showing off he was showing off now in the article it says he was showing off to this lady um, so he wanted to come real close to the island uh, pride goes before a destruction I suppose if you're going to fall out of a boat it's great to land into a lifeboat isn't it 32 people died the human aspect of, of pride. And so we're going to look at this one verse today. And it's, again, when we look through the book of Proverbs, we see this focus on humility. Proverbs 22, verse 4. And the reason I like this one is because, again, it gets to the root. And we're going to look at a slightly different way of looking at humility. It says, humility is the fear of the Lord. It, 
its wages or, or its, its um, um, earnings are riches and honour and life. But it's the first aspect. It actually tells us what humility is. Humility, it says, is the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is, is what humility is. Now the word fear of the Lord there, fear, there is an aspect of trembling before an almighty God, which we kind of sometimes forget, but it's also referring to here as a reverence, coming before a, a, a pure God, a creator God, a God that has so much power, a God who is king, who has authority, that we should have reverence and honour and respect, that we should surrender. That's the kind of aspect of, of what this fear of the God or fear of the Lord is. And so it's linking humility. There's a link here between humility and the fear of the Lord. That if we have the fear of the Lord, we would have humility. That where there's real humility, there's a, there's a fear of the Lord. The two go hand in hand. And when I say a real humility, it's a, a biblical humility, a true humility, leads to a fear of the Lord. You see, when we look at the dictionary, the dictionary defines humility as this. One, it says, having a modest view of one, one's importance. The word humble, having uh, or showing modest or low esteem of one's importance. And so what we do is we think of humility. We think of, uh, we want it, the Bible instructs us to be humble. The Bible instructs us to be people who uh, show humility. So what do we do? We want to do that. Most of us think, okay, so if someone says you're good at something, oh, I'm not very good at that. Oh, anyone could have done that. No, it's, it's okay. Or, or you, you know, so we kind of we head down and we want to show humility, don't we? We don't want to talk and so we, like it's, like it's some form of discipline. Now, there's an aspect of humility or being humble that does require discipline. Not talking about yourself all the time or all that kind of stuff. But true humility does not start there. And this is, this is the important part. And if we can grasp this, this leads to the real understanding of that, of that verse. True humility is actually insight. Turn to the person next to you and say insight. There you go. That's very insightful. Humility is actually insight. We are humbled when we truly understand ourselves and who we are. One of the great quotes I, I, I don't, in regards to humility, I don't know who wrote this. It says, humility is nothing more than a good knowledge of who we are, um, of who we are, of, of ourselves. Who are we? When we understand ourselves, we learn to be humble. When we truly understand ourselves, we learn to be humble. Now, it's not just a matter of, under, oh, I'm this type of person, uh, I do a personality test, I'm this on the Enneagram, I'm this on the Maya Briggs. That's, that's not understanding yourself. That may help a little bit in regards to personality. But to truly understand ourselves, we have to understand ourselves in light of who? God. John Calvin, the great reformer, write this. He said this. He says, It is evident that man never attains uh, to a true self-knowledge uh, until he has previously contemplated the face of of God. That you cannot truly understand who you are until you've contemplated who God is. Or you've come down or you've looked and you've seen the face of God. You cannot understand who you are completely until you know who God is. And then it says, and come down after such contemplation to look into yourself. 
C.J. Mahoney, I think it is, says, true humility is honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our what? Sinfulness. That when we can truly assess ourselves that, that this is God and He is holy and this is me and I am sinful, that's where tr- we, we have no option but to be humble. That should be the start of hum- uh, humility. That's why humility is insight. It's grounded in God's holiness and our sinfulness. Another quote, I'm getting paid per quote today. Here's a quote from the Nelson's Bible that talks about humility is, and I love this, this, asp- this quote here, it says, a freedom from arrogance that grows out of the recognition that all we have and are comes from God. You see, it's insight. It's not just discipline. It's understanding where we stand before God. Biblical humility is also a recognition that by ourselves we are inadequate without dignity and worthless. Now, if we were to leave it at that passage, it would be hopeless. We'd feel terrible, wouldn't we? But it goes on to say this, yet, because we are created in God's image and because believers are in Christ, guess what? We have infinite worth and dignity. Wow. That's humbling, isn't it? That we, if we grasp this, that we, we, that's where true humility starts from. We get to understand what God has called us to, what God has called us to be, what God uh, wants to do in our lives, that it's from God's grace that everything flows, that I receive God's grace, that God is holy, that I am sinful, that God is bigger than, than anything I can imagine. Yet, yet, he wants to pursue a relationship with, with us, with me, with you. That when we can grasp that, we start to process what real humility is about. Have a look at this picture here. It's a beautiful picture. Can anyone see, can you see that little dot? Okay, let me put, if you can't, there's a little press there. There it is. This is an incredibly humbling picture. Because do you know what this picture is? It's the picture of, it's called the little blue dot. The little blue dot is actually planet Earth. That's planet Earth. It's not some dust on your, on your glasses or anything. That is planet Earth. This, this shot was taken uh, by the Voyager 1990s. It's four million miles away. The Voyager took this picture of planet Earth. Go put the yellow dot up again so, we can, so I can see it. Um, does that make you feel, I feel small most of the time, but, but look at that. Now we exist on that. God is in that, but he's also outside of that. that, that yet he comes to us because he loves us and, and, and longs for a relationship with us and to restore that and to redeem us. That is a humbling picture. That we may think we're pretty important, we're not in that sense we may think we're pretty good yeah and we can do great things and good things but in the scale of things god is so much bigger humility is the fear of the lord see they're connected when we have a healthy reverence and fear of the lord then we can grasp a healthy humility it's not just a discipline isaiah 66 2 beautiful passage says this here has not my hand made all these things and so they uh, came into being declares the lord i've made it all he says, did you? These are the ones I look on with favor. It goes on, so who do I look on in favor? Those who are humble and continue in spirit and will tremble at my word. So there's again that, that connection between reverence 
and humility. Three things that humility will bring. Let's wrap this up. Humility will make us others-centered. So when we have a, a, a healthy understanding of humility, not to kind of, uh, I'm, so, I'm so humble, head down, oh, no, no, I'm no good at that. A real understanding of humility inside of who we are, it'll bring uh, us to focus on others. On others. It'll cause us to see and recognize what others have done. Because we're not looking at ourselves all the time. I think it's C.S. Lewis who says, humility is not uh, um, thinking less of yourself, it's, it's thinking about yourself less. And so when we have real humility, it causes us to see and recognize what others have done. It causes us to celebrate the significance of others. It causes us to consider others before yourself. Because we, we again, get very self-absorbed, don't we? True humility says, oh, get my head up. And again, I, I'm not sure which, uh, I think it might have been Augustine or Aquinas, refers to sin as being looking at your belly button. Have I, have I referred to this before? That w- sin is this aspect of looking at your belly button. And when you look at your belly button, what can't you see? No one else. You can see your belly button and what's inside of there. Um, and then you take that out. <laughs> but... but but it's such a good uh, de- definition of sin because uh, sin is so inward focused, isn't it? Pride. But when we, ta- when we stop looking at we have to look at others. And so humility will make us other-centered. Recognize what, oh, I did not know that you could do that. Great job. Or, wow, we can celebrate the significance of others. Consider others just before yourself. So that's the first thing uh, a true humility does. It, it makes us other-centered. The second thing that it does is it helps us to understand our own shortcomings and, and, and to be okay with that. Now, I'm not saying, um, you know, you know how some people say, uh, I'm loud and that's just the way I am or I'm, I'm rude and that's just the way I am. I'm not talking about that. We Be comfortable that we're all going to make mistakes. You are not perfect. You will stuff up. You will make mistakes. And I want to say that's okay in the sense of because you're not perfect. And so with humility, it brings us to understand our own shortcomings. Not to worry about our status and our position. Sometimes we're chasing so much. I've got to look like this. I've got to have this. So people think that I'm what? Perfect. People think I've got it together. You don't. <laughs> you don't have it together. And again, I, I, meeting, I meet with lots of different people and, and they, they always say, oh, Anthony, you don't understand my life. It's so hectic. No, it's probably the same as most people. Yeah, it might look a little bit different. Someone once said, um, every story is the same as everyone else's story. Every story is a little bit like everyone else's story. Every story is nothing like anyone else's story. Isn't that the human experience? It's all like that. And so it's all right, relax. Uh, not to worry about status and position. We become more teachable when, when we have true humility and we're not worried about, you know what, I can learn from someone. I don't have to know it all. Uh, I grow and I'm willing to grow and change. Not to say, take success or yourself too seriously. There's nothing, obviously, to succeed and to achieve things. That's good and healthy. But not to take it too seriously. Because when we zoom back out, we're that tiny little dot, aren't we? Uh, we become less judgmental and more likely to show grace to others. When we understand our own shortcomings, we, we, can, we can show empathy and grace towards others. 
Philip Yancey, another quote. Man, he says this, the proof of spiritual maturity is not how pure you are, but awareness of your impurity. That very awareness opens the door to grace. Remember the, the parable? I think it was a parable. It was a story where Jesus says that there's a religious guy. He's up in the temple and he's praying. Uh, and there's a, I think it was a tax collector. Or, um, he was crying out to God, God, I'm so bad. I've stuffed up. I'm, I'm, I need your help. And the, the religious guy is like, I'm so good. I've got it together. I'm not like this, this tax collector. That's what this is talking about right here. That the, the spiritual maturity actually is how we, when we realize that we aren't pure, that awareness opens the door to grace. I don't know if you've ever watched Kitchen Nightmares, anyone? You shouldn't because the swearing is terrible. Okay, maybe just turn it off, turn the sound off. Now, I'm not necessarily a big fan of Gordon Ramsay because he does, he does cuss a lot. Um, but he's, he's, an, he's a world-class chef incredible chef and he knows he knows things about food and restaurants and what I always find interesting about he goes to these restaurants that are struggling that basically are serving up dog food and he goes there they're they're dirty and they're gross and they're disgusting and the chef always thinks their food is good have you ever noticed that the first half of it is the chef saying no this is great and he literally has just got it out of the freezer cooks it up and he's gonna love this it's my favorite and the Gordon doesn't eat it and then he drops a few swear words and, and then the first half of the show is getting the point of the chef to realize what yeah self-awareness that actually mm, I'm not very good at this I need to be I need to listen and learn from them. and they have to, sometimes Gordon Ramsay ends up leaving because the chef thinks he knows more than Gordon Ramsay yet the business is down hundreds of thousand dollars no one comes he doesn't want to change it because he might lose customers. And Gordon's like, you don't have any customers. And so often we, we sit in that mindset, um, but with true humility, it's like, you know what? I do make mistakes. You know what? I'm not perfect. I can learn. I will grow. I will understand. Um, humility helps us understand our, our shortcomings. And the third thing is, humility helps us live with an eternal focus, an eternal perspective that we live with a, a, like an eternal lens, like we wear glasses that, that we see the bigger picture through when we have true humility. It reminds us that we have utter dependence on God. When it's, even we think we have lots of control. We might have control over little things, but ultimately we don't have any control. That God has all the control and, and we utterly depend on God. It reminds us to thank God often and always that if we thank God often and we thank God always, that comes back to that, oh, God is in control. Fear the Lord, show honor to God. Brings us back to a place of humility. It reminds us to put things into God's perspective or God's um, eternal focus. All right, the bigger picture. And I think one of the ways we do that is we, 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 we come to the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, isn't it? Like it's not, there's not different spots for different people. If you earn more money, you get to go closer or, or if you're more educated, whatever. No, no, the ground is level. And when we come to the foot of the cross and we stay at the foot of the cross, it helps us to have this eternal perspective, eternal focus. Look at Proverbs 3, 5 to 8. It's a great one to get a tattoo of. Lots of people do. 
Uh, I don't know if they know the true meaning of it, but, but Proverbs 3, 5 to 8, we know this one, don't we? This is all to do with humility because it's pushing against pride. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding because when you lean on your own understanding, that is what? Pride. And if, we, if we're giving it all to God, it's humility. So this is a humility pride verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Now, God has given you a brain. He's given you gifts and skills to use. But we do that again in the lens of Jesus, in the lens of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Now, there's a promise there that if we trust in God, lean on His understanding, not our understanding, he, uh, and we acknowledge Him, He will make our path straight. doesn't say it won't be bumpy. doesn't say, whoa, whoa, there might be some turbulence there, but He says it will make it straight. And so, humility um, helps us live with an eternal focus. Great story in the Gospels, we probably know it well, where Jesus gathers His disciples, Passover meal, um, and he washes, and it wasn't past, he, he gathered his disciples and he washes their feet. Remember that story? What a great story. That he, he gets a towel and he gets the bowl and he goes around. Uh, come up here, Ray. Sorry, I don't want to put you on the spot. No, no, I'm not going to wash them. Just, just stand up here. Look, this, this is probably what they're wearing. <laughs> These shoes here. Um, they're, they're disciple feet. And he got down and he, oh, wow, you need a manicure. Is it manicure or pedicure? <laughs> pedicure, pedicure, sorry, I don't want it. You're good. Bless your brother, you can hop <laughs> down now. That's my visual illustration. But he washed, the, he washed their feet, got inside and turned around in a bowl. And, and he goes around, he cleans his disciples' feet. You know the story. And basically says, go and do likewise. What was it an example of? It was an example of servant leadership, but an example of humility. Here's God showing us how to be humble. Humility, insight, fear of the Lord. Can we just bring that, the, the main passage up? Sorry. And we'll end with just reading it. Sorry, Ethan, put you on the spot there. There it is there. Let's read it together. Th- three, two, one, go. Let me pray. Most gracious Father, we thank you again that you're not a distant and remote God. Even though when we look at that picture of that tiny little blue dot, that you created that. That you created us in your image. Wow. That you come down, you send your son down to us as one of us to restore, to redeem, to bridge that gap. And so we thank you for that. Father, we pray as as your followers, as followers of, of your son Jesus as Christians that we would walk humbly that we would have good insight that we know and fear and honor and revere you and that we would walk humbly that we would not lean on our own understanding that we would acknowledge you in all that we do and that you would make our path straight we pray this in Jesus name amen